Welcome back to a brand new episode of We Call It Soccer. I'm Caleb, with here as always, Sasha, last name not given. Um, and also by with here as always, I mean in separate, in separate spaces on a Zoom call. Stay safe, people. Sasha, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trudging along. I'm, I'm trying to find the light after after this week this week of results. <laughs> Has it really been that bad? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's no other sources of joy than Seattle and Dortmund and Arsenal in your life. Come on, man. Uh, uh, the only other highlight is uh, seeing your you know wonderful face every week. Other than that, I feel very. I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a highlight, ooh, buddy, <laughs> buddy, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't have a question for you this week. Actually, stretch that I do. Um, what was your favorite Christmas gift as a child? Oh, my favorite. Okay, it's this is hard. because uh, there's two that instantly come to mind. First one, I think I was like 15 or 16. I got a Fender Stratocaster, tan one. I'm left-handed, so it was a lot just like it was, you know, very much a Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix Fender Strat. Uh, and Jimi Hendrix was my idol at the time. Uh, the other one would have been an N64 a special, like, uh, green see-through plastic edition that came with Donkey Kong 64 and Episode 1 Pod <sighs> Racer from Star Wars. And that's the, that's the best thing about Episode 1 is the Pod Racing game. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, that... I know both of those just were so incremental. They've influenced me so much as an adult, I feel like. Uh, for me, I'd have to say I got a uh, Lego soccer one year. Um, I it stands out to me because I got home from I I lived right next to my school, so I'd walk to school every day. And I walked home. Don't remember, don't remember which grade, but I walked home, walked in, and my mom had it on the kitchen table and was wrapping it. And I was like, "Is that for me?" She looked at me like, "Yes, yes, it is." <laughs> Just act surprised on Christmas Day, and I did. And then I immediately told the story to all of my family members that were there. So that was a fun game. I, I mean, it was basically like those little air pop tops where they had like the dome over the top and like the football game and the hockey games, but it was like soccer and Lego. And there was no like topper. It was like on the ground where I put on a cardboard box. Was that the one but, that had like the little springs players where you pull back yep. and shoot? You, you pull back. You, it was so easy to they, lose the balls in that with that thing. <laughs> I, I think that's what that's what, that's what happens eventually. That I just lost all of the soccer balls and I don't. Like, oh, well, <laughs> can't play this anymore. Oh man. Well, we here at we talk soccer with the wish you a merry Christmas. We won't be here next week. Um, we're taking time off to spend the holidays with ourselves because again. Stay safe out there, Minnesota, and other places that you're listening to this. Um, also, have happy Hanukkah to any of our Jewish listeners, because that's the fifth or sixth night, I think, as we're recording this. Not completely sure, but happy holidays to all of you who celebrate holidays around this time, or happy solstice as well, if you're one of those people. Um, we hope this time, the end of the year, is more enjoyable than the rest of it was. Uh, with that, let's move into the end of soccer 
in the United States, not forever, but for this year. Um, MLS Cup Final held at Map Free Stadium in Columbus, where Columbus Drew won against Saddle, uh, Sasha's beloved Seattle Sounders 3-0 with a brace from Lucas Celerian and a goal from Derek Etienne Jr. Sasha, your thoughts? Uh, I've actually, you know, it, it, it sucks that Seattle lost. Uh, they were definitely out of the comfort zone, and they finally, I think, got punished by a team that could see their weakness. I mean, but they got punished by us, you know, too. It was clear that they could give up early goals, and I think the fact that they were finally on the road in playoffs, had you know, less time to rest, you know, the disadvantages that we had, uh, and the fact that the crew are a good team. I'm okay with the crew winning, because they have, you know, it's, it's a romantic story coming from three years ago, them, you know, almost dissolving. I'm not happy that it had to be Caleb Porter coaching that fucking team, former Portland Timbers coach with, you know, former, you know, Timbers star Nagby, who wasn't in this game, and they still won. He was replaced by a youngster, this uh, Aiden Morris. The the best Morris on the field, for my money. Probably the most influential, <laughs> I will admit it, yeah. Like, Jordan Morris didn't score a goal. He hit the crossbar, and yeah. Um. So... What did Columbus do here to stifle Seattle so well that Minnesota didn't or weren't able to? It's, it was the midfield. I feel like even well, that's the weird thing. Even because they were missing two key players, they still controlled the midfield. They shut down Lloyd Darrow. Um, they frustrated Alex Rodown on the right back, who was you know was supposed to be doing those overlapping runs. I think he got a really early yellow. He he, he definitely got in trouble. Um, and then. I guess they just figured out. I don't know. They just figured out that there's weaknesses in this those center backs. Shane O'Neill and Ariaga just still have problems. <laughs> Shane O'Neill, who who didn't who didn't get sent off in the Minnesota game as he should have, <laughs> tried to sent off multiple times in this game as and he should have been sent off multiple times. Only got a yellow card. Um, but I think when you look at Columbus's team, even though they were missing Pedro Santos, who was huge for them on the wing, even though they're missing Darlington Nagby. You looked at that front four that they had. Um, I think Etienne Jr. came on, came in instead of Santos, and he scored the second goal. Mm-hmm. Lucas Zellerian, who came in from Tigres in the offseason, had much more time to gel with his attacking partners than Reynoso had, which I think is huge. Also, their, their midfield behind... Um, behind uh, Zillarion was more mobile and more and more pressing the midfield of Seattle harder than Jan and Ozzy were. Ozzy kind of dropping back. We'll come, we'll come forward a little bit, but really stayed in our half of the field. Jan wasn't as physical as I wanted him to be. And he felt like with when Seattle got the ball or Oldan or Nodero um, got the ball in midfield, they were immediately shoved over or pressed to a pass backwards or a pass to the side. Um, Rui Diaz was absolutely bodied multiple times by Jonathan Mensa, And I think this was a well-coached team that beat Seattle. You have to be to be, beat the mathematician, Brian Schmetzer, <laughs> the chess master, as it were. Um, but uh, congratulations to Columbus. Congratulations to Caleb Porter, even though he spells his name wrong. 
My favorite part of the game wasn't even the game, it was the post-game, where Aiden Morris, who was 19 years old, was the only player that was available for uh, post-game press conferences because the rest of the team was getting drunk in the locker room. And since he can't drink, they're like, no, you don't. You can't be here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Um, any final thoughts on this MLS season as a whole? Um, I think it was a great season. Despite, you know, I was, I'm surprised it happened. I, mean, I guess now in retrospect, I can say I'm happy it happened. I can also say and this might upset some Minnesota fans. We had the ability to beat Seattle. I How well Columbus Crew played at home, I don't know if we would have been good enough to beat them had we made it to the final. Like they came right. out, they were they deserve to be the champions. They played like champions that game, right? And I think going to Seattle, I was looking at it like uh, Liverpool versus Barcelona, where I'm like, if we can just beat this team, you know, the the titles are is for sure. And watching that Columbus game, I'm like, oh shit, I highly underestimated uh, Caleb Porter's uh, coaching ability and just how good Zellerian is. I haven't been able to watch a lot of Columbus Crew this year just because of life and stuff. And oh, that guy, a, a, a fringe Tigers player can change a team's fortunes in a blink of an eye. So maybe Adrian Heath and Mark Watson should look at the outskirts of some top uh, lead up match teams like Tigres or Cruz Azul or Pumas or what? Leon. Yeah. Leon, who actually won lead up match Clausura, yeah, it, yeah, it should yeah, be yeah. Clausura. Yeah, uh, I mean both of both, you know, Reynoso and uh, why am I blanking on the name? Uh, Zellerian. Zellerian, yeah, they're from the same hometown. So maybe it's just that's really? the, whatever. Yeah, whatever's in that town in Argentina it starts with a C. <laughs> I can't remember it, but like we, start looking for players over there because apparently they have the magic to like just carry. There's gotta be there's gotta be some empty office space for rent down there. They just <laughs> did a team shop and. <laughs> get like a, a outpost of scouting outpost there we can just like come to minnesota it's warm sometimes and then <laughs> it, it, have it, them tour, tour the stadium in like june and then they'll sign and it'll be fine did we just make the minnesota united academy <laughs> yes yes we did um, um dr bill mcguire we know you're listening um quit send quit send us the hate mail we don't appreciate it but also like hire us we're great We'll be your Matthew McConaughey, what he is to Austin FC, the cultured person. I don't know. It's He's weird, and so is Austin FC. Speaking of Austin FC, they've been making moves, but I jumped ahead in the notes for a little bit. I had a perfect tangent, too, but real quick, uh, MLS Kamish Don Garber talked about how the league lost over $1 billion this season due to COVID and less games and no fans in the stadium. Um, this lead is leading to some people in certain circles to speculate whether the MLS would activate a clause in, in, its, in its agreement with the MLS Players Association to renegotiate the current CBA. Um, and now let's rewind back to make the look like I was talking about uh, how weird it is that Matthew McConaughey is like a person in general, but also like part of Austin FC's like or FC Austin whatever the fuck their name is like hierarchy and like transition to how they're making moves now and for their roster I mean he's all the way at the top man he is the soul and heart of MLS now and the face alright 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 
All right. Wasn't that tangent great, guys? Oh, <laughs> fantastic job, Caleb. You did great. All right. <laughs> Expansion draft was just this afternoon, hours before we recorded. Um, we took notes diligently during the, the entire 25-minute affair. Uh, Sasha, of course, didn't know what was happening until <laughs> we took notes at 7. <laughs> um, um, going into this expansion draft, this is probably the weakest player pool since Minnesota was drafting. Um, and we were drafting with another team. Uh, Austin, a little bit lucky to only be the to be the only team drafting. Um, they took they had five picks: Danny Husen, uh, striker from San Jose; Jared Stroud, midfielder from the Red Bulls; Brady Scott, a young goalkeeper from Nashville; Joe Corona, a former U.S. Men's National Team player, uh, midfielder from the Galaxy; and Kamal Miller, defender from Orlando. Oh wait, he just got traded. Literally four minutes after he was drafted to Montreal for 225k in GAM and a first round pick in this year's draft, which is the 11th overall. A hefty price for Kawhi Miller, honestly. Um, don't know if you remember, Sasha, how many of the players Minnesota drafted in the and draft ended up on the opening day roster. And if you can name... The five people we drafted, I will give you twenty dollars. Uh I can't. Fifty dollars? <laughs> <laughs> no. So oh. we dr- we drafted Chris Armis from Red Bulls, traded him immediately to Montreal for Johan Venegas. We drafted Colin Warner from Houston, who who was on the match opening match day roster and was the longest tenured player from the expansion draft on Minnesota United. Uh, we drafted Mohamed Saeed from Columbus. We ended up trading to Colorado for Sam Croton and Mark Birch. We drafted Jeff Etanella, who traded to Portland for Medellia Barra's rights. And we drafted Femi Hollinger Jansen from, I think, from New England, and then traded him back to New England for Bobby Shuttleworth. All of this I remember, but I've forgotten my coffee three times in the last month. At home photo in the work, so that's how my brain works, guys. It's weird. Like, so, like I, when I try to think back, the first name that came to me was Sam Cronin, and then the second was uh Matt Birch. Uh, you know, and it, neither of those were on that list. They were in, <laughs> attached to that list for other reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would expect maybe a couple more of these guys to get traded in the next couple of days. Uh, Joe Corona is a really interesting player. I think to pick up. Other than that, I mean, two younger untested guys in Scott and Stroud, and Husen is a injury-prone striker who doesn't start and couldn't be the backup behind Wondolowski. So, if he's in the right system, maybe he can be good. Austin also making moves in the trade market in MLS, trading for Ben Sweat from NYCFC, Ulysses Segura from DC, Nick Lima from San Jose, and Julio Testante from Portland. Three of those are defenders taking the Nashville model of building a team, which is defense first and really worked out for the new uh, new team in Nashville this past season. Um, enough about Austin because Pretort owns them and I feel like we've given a lot of time for them in the podcast after Columbus Crew just won the MLS Cup. So again, right here, fuck Anthony Pretort. I hope his team rots in hell. And uh, most of the roster moves 
Minnesota United made some roster moves. Um, releasing their end of year roster update thing in just a quick little blog post on their website. Um, Minnesota and currently in discussions with Alonzo, Harrison, Coleman, Hayes, Molino, and Amaria. Drawing the futures with the club. They declined the contracts of Schoenfeld, James Musa, Greg Ranjit Singh, Jose Aha, Kevin Partida. Kai Kamara and Raheem Edwards out of contract without an option. Those two players have already been released. Um, any surprises here on the list for you, Sasha? Anything you want to delve into more on? Um, I think someone in our Slack channel mentioned that we should just drop Brent Kalman. I'm like, I'm fine with that, especially since we brought in <laughs> you know, this you know, Dallas player, Callum Montgomery. I don't know like anything about him other than he seems to like play a lot between them and then their El Paso side, and he keeps transferring back and forth. Um, yeah, we uh, Minnesota traded for Cal Montgomery, as you mentioned, from Dallas, um, 50K, 50K in GAM, and the fourth round to 2021 Super Draft pick, which is funny because there's no fourth round this year. So it's just 50K in GAM. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> but he played with uh, San Antonio a little bit when Dane was there. So there's some familiarity, familiarity there. Um, he was a number three overall draft pick in 2019 super draft. So um, some unfulfilled potential there. Possibly he's Canadian, Canadian international um, was named as part of the U23 uh, Olympic qualifying roster um, pre pandemic, which was three years ago. Uh, like, no, <laughs> seven years ago, no, um, Fe- February, which feels like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, kind of a, uh, just a young domestic center back who has a nose for a goal. Um, in college, played for Charlotte, the Charlotte 49ers. In his career, there he scored 12 goals, which is pretty impressive for a center back. Um, otherwise, I think Aha is the one that stands out to me. Um, Edwards, you could probably say, just but the way he was frozen out at the end of the season, not a huge surprise. Um, someone asked uh, former host of the podcast, Jeff Reuter, about this on his athletic uh, Q&A. Um, all he said about it was there's so sometimes there's a reason that a player has been on a lot of teams for short times. So, without wanting to speak ill of Raheem Edwards, read read into that into that as you will. Um, the the discussions I think we looked at Alonzo, Harrison, Coleman, Hayes, Molito, and Amaria. There's two of those I could see just letting go and cutting ties with all together, Coleman and Amaria. But really want to really want to bring back Hayes, mm-hmm. which I think they will. Really want to bring back Harrison, which I think they will. Um, already have an offer out to Molino, which is, um, Heath has said, is the most he can make in the U.S. So unless he's trying to test his career overseas, it's pretty much like he's, he's coming back to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I was listening to the... 55-1 podcast earlier today, and I can't remember if it was Rodrigo or Corey who said this, so I apologize. But 
Adrian Heath loves Kevin Molino, and Molino doesn't shouldn't want to leave that basically because they've been together, been through together for so much, and yeah, they're definitely a great partnership there. When you get an injury, you always are worried whether your manager is going to have your back because it's a long recovery time, mm-hmm. and Heath had faith in Molino. And Molino has paid it back in full, right? He had an outstanding year, so why would he leave? You know. Yeah. Um, Ozzy is the other one that sticks out for me. Like that's the question mark for me, because I don't. I I could argue it either way, whether we should keep him or whether we should let him go. Financially, it's a, it's an easy argument. You know, like we could. He does cost a lot of money. He's and he's older. We could take that money and put it towards someone younger. On the other hand, a wealth of experience. But honestly, like he didn't play that many games this year. He played well of the games he did play uh, when he didn't get injured early. But right, um, looking at it like the whole Ozzy situation, if you didn't get him, I had a reduced rate as um, a backup to probably the future number six for Minnesota United, Will Trap, who is expected to sign with Minnesota sometime this week or in the near future. I shouldn't say this week. Who knows? In the near future, during the off season. Um, there's been talk uh, Heath did an interview with Tom Bodart um, on MLSoccer.com where they're going to sign Ozzy for a reduced role and at a reduced rate but also looking to move into him into the backroom staff as a coach somewhere along the line could you imagine him as an academy director that'd be fucking amazing hell yeah oh dude that would be that, I mean my, my first thought was like uh, you know uh, defense trainer but yeah academy coach he is uh, he, despite it looking really mean he's actually a really friendly guy so he'd be great for our youngers, youngsters um. Ozzy Alonso head of youth development and just did a bunch of, bunch of surly 13 year olds just shave their heads bald and just going studs up and fools <laughs> you love to see it well I mean um, yeah in, in 10 years we're going to have the best you know CDM <laughs> in the world <laughs> spiking people on the on the world stage uh also in that interview with on mlsoccer.com um little update on ike um had health issues throughout this, the year and um, most notably some concussion complications which is scary considering the team's history with history with uh sam cronin who was forced to retire at an age 32 due to concussion symptoms um it, Supposedly, Ike feels better than ever and heading into next season, which I hope that continues. Um, the team is looking to loan in, loan out uh, Thomas Chacon to Europe and to give him some game time. Uh, where in Europe is a mystery to me. I don't know where you would send him. Maybe like 10 Division Spain or somewhere like that. I'm not sure. I'd send him to like Sporting CP over in Portugal. That's where I'd send him. Well, but... if... They don't want to play him. There's a. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember what a Portuguese team signed two MLS players, but they signed Reggie Reggie Cannon and uh, Albert Elise, who were both stars for their teams. So finding a place for Chacon in the top division of Portugal is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. That's their destination. They're looking for him. Um, and yet they offered Kevin Lino the match contract. You can get an MLS. So. In my mind, it's only a matter of time unless he wants to try his luck outside of the United States, either maybe in Liga MX or overseas somewhere. Hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he wants to stay and become the next club legend as he's well on his way to being. 
Well, speaking of like Europe a little bit, we're we've 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 ignored Europe for the past few weeks, and we're gonna start out our European segment, um, with just should I give you a, a time limit? I don't know how long you're gonna go on this. Um, I just wrote down how Sasha would fix Arsenal. Um, Arsenal is in what fifteenth at the moment in the Premier League. Haven't won a game since November first at home. Yeah, this is not mate. great. Go ahead. Uh, I will stop talking. <laughs> this is Sasha, how I, this is how I would fix Arsenal. I, it's not Arteta. Arteta's not the problem. You got the problem. It's at the middle. Sa- Sasha, <laughs> Sasha, we're gonna get sued by Arsenal fan TV if you keep doing that accent. Yeah. Um. If okay, if I if I want to be comical, I would say the uh, very quickly the easiest way to fix Arsenal is. Stop taking Chelsea's players when they're too old and stop giving Chelsea the good players when they're hot. We took William and Suarez and we gave them Giroud, who's like having the best year of his life for the French national team and Chelsea. Um, if I want to actually be analytical, I would say Aubameyang needs to get back on his fix because we live or die by him. We literally died by his own goal last week. And we need to fix Xhaka's attitude or just replace him. We've brought in a lot of good players. I like having William on the a team. I like the fact that we brought in Thomas. We brought in Pepe. But, like, we still can't be living or dying by Aubameyang. So, yeah, those are my explanations for how to fix Arsenal. Uh, do, you, do you give uh, Arteta more time? Do you sack him in January? What, what Do you give him another year? I, I give him, like, what? two more years. Because look, uh, look, look at how Josie was... You know the first couple of years with with Tottenham, he like he had small improvements, and we've had small improvements with Arsenal, but he wasn't you know slaying it. Now he's at the top of the league, so I think you need to give him t- like give him time. And I he, hopefully in three years, I'm saying we're we're back at the top, challenging teams with Arteta. Until then, you're in a relegation battle with Burnley, who you <laughs> lost to this past week. Um, Anything else you want to add on Arsenal, or do you want to move on to some happierish news? Let's go. Let's go to better news. Okay, um, two American matchups in Europe today: um, Wolves Chelsea and Dortmund Bremen. Sasha, take it away. Yeah, uh, Chelsea losing to Wolves. Uh, the two American players uh, we have, you know, Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, obviously, but someone who wasn't on my radar: nineteen-year-old Owen. Uh, I think it's Otassi. Otassi, yeah, uh-huh. who. Got his first call up like you know earlier this year, just like a month ago in that Wales Wales game. Um, but yeah, Wolves. Despite the fact that Chelsea scored early goal from Giroud, uh, Wolves came back, and they uh, you know they had this awesome tifo honoring Jimenez, You know their player who's recovering right now. So I'm always happy when another North London, another well yeah, just London team loses, especially if it's Chelsea. Yeah, did uh, Otasi get into the game at all, or is he? Yeah, is he yeah, oh, they're used to. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he was got... definitely he was to, uh, you know picking Chelsea players' pockets on the on the right side. He was Ooh. going toe to toe with uh, what was it Cahill? I'm trying to think. No, the, 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 that one R- defender who likes to overlap on the left for Chelsea. On the left, off. Oh. Asplotwata. No, think, Chilwell. 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 Yeah. yeah. Nice and Cahill, but Chilwell. Yeah. He, you know, he was like their Chilwell. He was just young and running and, you know, being awesome. Awesome. Some positive stuff for U.S. Men's National Team fans there. Also, a matchup of U.S. Men's National Team heartthrobs in Germany. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one, 
you know, uh, Borussia Dortmund versus Werder Bremen. This was kind of like a, a must win for both sides at different ends of the table. Borussia Dortmund has been sliding down. Uh, and after their last week's loss to Stuttgart, Shane Stuttgart, mind you, I, I'm a little, a little salty about yep. that. They lost 5-1 and they sacked their coach, Lucas Favre, you know, two days ago. And I just <laughs> learned about this today. Uh, so their interim coach is now currently uh, their former assistant coach, Eden Ter- uh, Terzic. And he wanted... He wanted a win to start off right and also to jump them back up into that top four spot, that safe area when you're a club like Borussia Dortmund. And they got the win, 2-1. Um, the two American players I should mention, Gio Reyna and, and Josh Sargent, both started. Um, looked good. Gio Reyna, I think, looked better than you know, Josh Sargent did. Um, Gio Reyna looks absolutely fantastic this year. He had the lone goal against uh, Stuttgart over the weekend. and That was probably the goal of the game, to be honest controls it well on a loud cross and then I don't think he takes a full step just half volley outside the boot with his other foot into the back of the net um, still lost to Stuttgart which is I think is hilarious and, <laughs> I mean Stuttgart coached by an American actually um, whose name I'm, I don't have written down and don't remember it's very Italian so I was surprised <laughs> to learn he was American um, but Relegated a couple years ago, they're back up. Uh, got second place in the Spain Bundesliga um, last year, and are now in like seventh, right around the European spots for Germany, which is a huge improvement. And uh, then it's Matarazzo. This is his last name. Is doing a great job with the team and coaching. And there's a guy on the team named Silas, and I don't know his last name, but Shane knows it. It's very long. It's like the football version of of uh, my favorite basketball player, Antetokounmpo. Just, if you're a fan of him, you know you know the last name. If you're not a fan of him, you just stumble through it. So, go Silas and go shoot dart. Um, so, so, the Bundesliga table is looking a little different, isn't it? Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, at the top, Bayer Leverkusen. What? Uh, and then... No, I think that's wrong. You're supposed to be an N after, after Bayer, right? <laughs> Bayern. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a former Kai Havertz team uh, doing better without him. Uh, <laughs> I can say the same thing about Red Bull Leipzig and every all the players that went to Chelsea. Uh, enough yeah. Chelsea bashing. But below them, Bayern Munich, uh, Red Bull Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, uh, Wolfsburg, and then surprise, surprise, Union Berlin. So there's two surprises up there on the top of the table. Bayern mm-hmm. Leverkusen has yet to lose a game. I think there's seven wins and four draws. That's a great way to start start the their campaign but the reverse version of leverkusen <laughs> is uh schalke who are dead last and have yet to win a game in the bundesliga uh they're just a couple years removed from finishing second which is a huge huge uh fall from grace um really was probably probably they're they're probably just really missing weston McKenney, who is now at juventus right That's, that was their whole team i'm guessing <laughs> um, must be uh yeah. yeah. Um, McKenney with a great assist uh, this past week to Paolo Dybala in their in Juventus's game. Um, let's move to France now. Uh, again, this is going to be very Eurocentric for until the end of the podcast because we've been ignore, ignoring the side of the world throughout the entire playoffs. Um, but French soccer is in financial trouble and. Top division, Lead Un, where 
duped basically by an upstart media company named Media Pro. Um, Media Pro outbid other companies for Lidun TV rights, only to not be able to make payments to the lead and its clubs. The deal was $1.2 billion, with a B, dollars a year. Um, this was an ups- upstart uh, tech company that was Spanish originally, but now is owned by Chinese investors. Um, last week, arbitration talks between Lead de Football Professionnel, the governing body of professional soccer in France, Media Pro, who are Spanish broadcasters now controlled by Chinese interests, ended with the company handing back the four years of rights under its control and less than a third of the more than 300 million euros it owes the lead in for games that happened this season. Um, this is going to have huge ramifications um, across the entire in the first division of France, probably down through the divisions, professional professional divisions of France. Um, Lille, who are currently top at Lille 1 at the moment, have to repay loans to Elliott Management and J.P. Morgan by next summer, or else, or else the two companies would take ownership of the club. Uh, Lille president um, wanted to sell six players this past offseason to only sell two for around the total of one... A uh, hundred and thirteen million dollars or pounds, sorry, and he owes. They owe a lot more than that. Um, this is terrible for French football, especially if their their wishes to become a force on the um, continental stage in European competitions, but also just as a lead, keeping players who are rated highly and tend to paid better elsewhere. Um, looking at this from a Minnesota United perspective, uh, they've signed two players from uh, the French leagues, Roman and Debassi. Both have been successes, and if I was Minnesota, I would be looking at this situation very closely. Um, there's probably a striker or two over there that would love to come over to Minnesota and start immediately and store goals for Minnesota United and get fed the ball by one of the best number 10s in the nation. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a French exodus, which would be horrible. Why don't we have, you know, Debassi and Metner be the Moses who parts the waves for those French players to come come to MLS and specifically to <laughs> Minnesota? <laughs> yes, please. Um I just, this whole thing was like, how dumb is French football? To be like, okay, you're a stranger, right? You have $1.2 billion? Do you have any proof of that? No, you don't? Give it to me. You're in four years. Let's do this. I'm, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of comparisons you can make between the, the, the stupidity of being conned of French football and, you know, uh, American po- American politics. Uh American, well, Americans in general being conned by somebody who has no business experience <laughs> or failed business experience. Yeah. <laughs> when you put it that way, it's not, it's not as funny. Um, there is a great article about this whole situation on the New York Times. Um, it's The title is French Soccer Faces Financial Crisis After Record TV Deal Collapses. Um, the details of this are just baffling and 
sad for any fans of French football. Um, should we move on to well, some more real, real well, sad news in general? Um, legendary coach Gerard Houllier has passed away at age of 73. He coached Liverpool to, I think, five trophies in the two-year span in the early 2000s. Um, Aston Villa, Lyon, and also the French national team. At the time of his death, he was the head of global football at Red Bull, so he was kind of in charge of Red Bull Salzburg, Rosenball Sport Leipzig, New York Red Bulls, um, kind of responsible for those teams being where they are and how good they are now um, with that Red Bull branding. Um, yeah, just a huge, um, figure in the, in French football and he's gone and we wish his family some peace in their time of grieving. Um, I just, well, and then a little kind of a quirky note. It's not really funny or hilarious. It's just kind of like, whoa, huh. That's weird. Um, in Norway, Rosenberg's women's team finished their first season invincible. Right? That's that's good, right, Sasha? Yeah. <laughs> Should be. Wait. However, however, they finished second. Uh, Rosenborg, Rosenborg finished with ten wins, eight draws, thirty-eight points. They lost the 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 winners of the. Uh, Norwegian women's lead on goal differential. It's unfortunate. Seven goals. That's all that it took. Um, Sasha, where they where can they where can, where can the listeners find you, if at all, anywhere? Uh, you can find me in in Twitter jail still. Still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they haven't replied back after uh replying once to my inquiries. So oh. I'm, I'm guessing maybe it's permanent. I'm gonna have to find another social media outlet. Oh. Or you could just start a new account. It's true. I could. <laughs> but the but the the heavily worded email from Twitter warned me that they would ban that account too. If no. I made another one. Man, we'll see. We'll see. Alright. I'm at Caleb uh sorry, Real Caleb F C also tweet from TWO United Fans on Twitter. Also post at TWO United Fans on Instagram. I think we're on Facebook, but Mark Zuckerberg is a fascist, so fuck him and his platform. Um, rate and review us on iTunes. We're still at forty nine reviews. If you're at the fiftieth, if you write the fiftieth review, I will buy you a beer at Blackheart. Just like post, like take a screenshot of your review and the number fifty on our page and send it to me. And once it's safe to do so, I will buy you a beer at Blackheart. That's a good deal. Take him yeah. up on that. Because yeah, so, because I please. met Caleb at Blackheart. <laughs> yeah, you can meet me at Blackheart. You might be a host of the podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you met me at Blackheart. I met Notch at a coffee place. It's actually I, I tweeted at him before then, but we met at a coffee place. But still, weird things happen when you talk to your heroes, and for your heroes. Find better heroes. We're not. <laughs> do, do, do not emulate us. One of us is in jail. Yeah. So Virtual clearly, uh, jail, but yeah. jail. I'm the anti-hero, obviously, and you must be. <laughs> You're the rogue who's also got the good side that's trying to make me better. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> dynamic is here. Without Notch, I'm lost. 
So the it's the listener, and there's a devil on his shoulder. That's you. <laughs> then there's another devil on his shoulder, which is also me. And the the corpse of Notch's angel is buried somewhere else. Yep. So he was the he was obviously the moral compass of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, shout out. Shout out to our patrons. Thank you for your um, patronage of this podcast. Um, thank you to our lead commissioner, Eric Olson. Hi, Dad. And uh, for $20 a month, you can also be thanked at the end of every episode. For $5 a month, you can get extra episodes a month, bonus episodes. Most recent from on our feed is Sasha's D&D Warforged episode. Um, upcoming will be my next let's talk about episode and also this month is our my 2020 album review podcast with Colin O'Donnell who you might have remember from from things as this podcast 12 years ago (laughs) and also eating a very spicy chip that made him in a lot of pain I talked to him about on the Patreon as well um we're off next week, taking some time just to decompress after the MLS season and get ready for the off season and more European competitions. Um, in that place, I'll probably post one of our less talked about episodes that hasn't been on the main feed yet. Um, quick question, Sasha: Do you have a album of the year? Your favorite album? Since you're not on, gonna be on that podcast. Ooh. Um... J. Cole dropped an album this year. Uh, oh, no. I, <laughs> this actually, it's not going to be J. Cole. Uh, it's going to be Run the Jewels 4. Like, that <sighs> album. So good. It, it's like, I've gone back and listened so to good. it. Yeah. Um, that one can just, it gets you in the mood for where we are at as a country right now. Uh, so. Can you believe, do we, can you believe it was written last year? <laughs> it was all written last year. <laughs> Yeah, well, tensions were building. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, spoiler alert, that's on my list as well. I don't know if it's number one yet. It's up there, though. Um, special thanks to Tectonics for the use of their song Lustless as our theme music. Um, oh, also, for if you want to be, sign up for our Patreon, Patreon at $3 a month, you can join our Slack channel. It's worth it. Trust me, we posted... We post a bunch of articles and funny videos and stuff. It's not all soccer related either. Um, until then, we'll see you after Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. <laughs>